Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. We go before God and we say, God, use me. God, work through me. God, make me an instrument of your glory and power. And God answers the prayer. He sends, He allows a trial, suffering, something to happen. God, what are you doing? I don't understand this. I'm a faithful servant. God's answering the prayer, perhaps in ways we had not expected. We expected a cruise to Rome. Many of us have thought at some point that the world would be a better place if things went how we see fit. Thankfully, that's not the case, and God is still in charge. Unfortunately, it's easy for many of us to treat our prayer life in the same fashion. In today's message, Pastor Ed addresses the issue of expectation. More often than not, we find that God responds to our prayers and requests differently than we expect. Today, Pastor Ed will remind us that when we desire to further the kingdom, oftentimes trials are quick to follow. Now open your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 29. Let's join Pastor Ed for his continuing study entitled, Joy in the Midst of Adversity. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for Him, since you are going through the same struggle I had, and now hear that I still have notice, but also to suffer for Him. Suffering can be used by God in your life for your good and the advancement of His kingdom. The path of life includes suffering. Paul always dreamed about going to Rome. He talked about it. He prayed about it. He spoke about it. And he did go to Rome. He was planning to go as a preacher, but he went as a prisoner. He wasn't planning to go in chains as an accused criminal, but that was part of God's well, what God was doing in his life. We make a mistake, a tragic mistake, when we think that life is just going to be one port to another and smooth sailing between those ports. It's just not that way. It was the sixth inning, the Montreal Expos, we're playing the San Francisco Giants. Dave Dravecki was pitching. And as he threw the ball, suddenly a loud cracking, snapping sound sounded throughout the stadium. His arm snapped in two. He didn't realize that Cancer was eating away at his bones. He went to the hospital, and after a series of tests, they realized that they had to amputate that arm, lest the cancer spread through the rest of his body. His pitching career was over. His career in baseball was over, and he was at the height of it. After the surgery, shortly after, he went back to Jack Murphy Stadium 
to a standing ovation and he talked about Jesus Christ. The next day, in the San Diego Union, it said that he received 700 invitations to speak. His suffering, the tragic loss of his arm, became a platform for him to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with tens of thousands of people, millions of people. He's written a book when you can't come back. And he speaks about that tragic experience and how God transformed it. We go before God and we say, God, use me. God, work through me. God, make me an instrument of your glory and power. And God answers the prayer. He sends, he allows a trial, suffering, something to happen. God, what are you doing? I don't understand this. I'm a faithful servant. When God's answering the prayer, perhaps in ways we had not expected, we expected a cruise to Rome. But like Paul, we find ourselves in dire straits. But it's amazing how God will use the injustices that come your way and how he will use the suffering that comes your way. Oswald Chambers said, neither usefulness nor duty is God's ultimate purpose. His aim is to bring out the message of the gospel. And if that can only be done by his bruising me, why shouldn't he? Remember Jesus bruised on the cross. Remember Paul said, God's granted you to suffer for Christ. One of the great classics of all Christian literature is Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan wrote it while he was in prison. These epistles, the epistle of Philippians that we've been studying was written by Paul in prison. John in exile on the island of Patmos. John the Apostle writes the book of Revelation. Chuck Colson, in his book, Loving God, wrote at the end of the book in an analogy he said my lowest days as a Christian and there were low ones seven months worth of them in prison to be exact had been more fulfilling and rewarding than all the days of glory in the White House I tell you I cannot understand it I cannot explain it but I know it's true God can take the darkest night And use it for your good and his glory. The greatest disappointment. And use it for the advancement of the kingdom. And for your benefit. And so when injustice comes, lay it at his feet. Jesus knows all about it. When suffering comes, lay it at his feet. Jesus knows all about it. And he could use it in your life. We can advance through adversity. We don't have to be derailed and sidetracked. We live in a fallen world that's filled with injustice and suffering. But Jesus tells us that we could overcome this world with him. You see him advancing, not only in the midst 
of these things that he's suffering, but you see him advancing, suffering through confinement. And verses 13 and 14. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, that's the Praetorian guard, they're the special guard that works for Caesar. There's about 9,000 of them, and these are an elite force. It's a mixture of West Point and uh, sort of the uh, FBI or some uh, secret service group. And these men would serve for 12 years. And after their service, they would go out into different areas of leadership within the Roman Empire. Some would become politicians and serve in the Senate. Some might... Uh, operate their own business. Uh, Some would be involved perhaps in leading an army, become a general on the field. But these were the best of the best. So as a result, it became clear throughout the whole palace guard, the Praetorian guard there, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Did you ever feel so confined, chained? There he is. They're not comfortable. He can't sleep well with them. He can't lie on his arm. He can't lie on his hand. I mean, they're on him 24-7 and there's a new guard coming every six hours. He's an evangelist. He's used to traveling the countryside. He's used to going from place to place, preaching the word. That's his passion. Suddenly now he's confined. But I want you to see, he becomes a witness in the midst of his limitations. In verse 13, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I am in chains. Why? For Christ. I could imagine one of the guards asking him, are you a religious charlatan? Who have you swindled? Are you a political insurrectionist? Why are you here? Paul says, do you have some time? He says, well, I have uh, six hours. He says, okay, let me tell you about it. And he begins to tell him about Jesus. Then another guard comes. Now, he's not so willing to listen to Paul, but Paul has visitors, and he welcomes those visitors, and he begins to tell them about Jesus. He begins to pray with them. And that guard hears that prayer. That God experiences Paul's presence as he's in the presence of the Lord. And he becomes an incredible witness. Look what God said to Paul in Acts chapter 23. It says, The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. What begins to happen is people come in to talk to Paul, and those guards hear him speaking. Those guards overhear him dictating the book of Philippians and maybe other letters that he's writing and words of encouragement, and something happens one by one people come to Christ and are saved. One by one, some of these elite soldiers receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. It's amazing how God can use your suffering. It's amazing how God can use your confinement. It's amazing how God can use the chains that seem to hold you and say, you know, I I just wish I had better finances. 
or I just wish my circumstances were different. I, I didn't have this job that sort of limited me. I want to be able to serve the Lord more. And on and on we go thinking, but I wish these circumstances were different so I could be a real witness for Christ. Paul's chained. He isn't about leaving that place. And watch what happens in Philippians chapter 4, verse 22. It's so powerful. Paul says, and he's closing the letter, all the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. They're getting saved. That was God's plan. That was God's appointment. And sometimes we wonder and we say, you know, I'd like to get out of this situation I'm in, this job. Or I'd like to, you know, this didn't work out the way I planned or that didn't work out the way I planned. And, and God's wanting to use it. God's not limited. You say, boy, I'm chained down with these kids 24-7. Or I'm working at this job. A Christian man was asked by someone that he knew, what do you do for a living? And the man said, I'm a Christian. No, no, he said, I didn't ask what religion you were. I asked what you do for a living. He said, I'm a Christian. No, no, no. Do you mean that you're full-time ministry? You work in a church or something or a Christian organization? No, no, no. He said, I don't do that. He said, you mean what is my vocation? He said, yeah, what's your vocation? Well, he said, I work in a meat factory, but I do that to support my Christian witness. He said, I'm a Christian first. See, that's really what it is. We are Christians first. You may work for IBM. You may work for the state. You may work in some private industry. But basically... And most importantly, you are a Christian. And that's what it is all about. We're a Christian first. It's about being a witness for Christ wherever we are, in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. Paul the Apostle is going to be a witness in the midst of his struggles, in the midst of that confinement. And you may feel hemmed in, locked in, God's saying, give it to me, and I'll use it and utilize it. Notice he was an encouragement in verse 14. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Notice, most of the brothers. What's happening here is people are going to encourage Paul. Paul. We're so sorry you're in prison. We know how hard it is. Paul, you're smiling. You're praising God. You led another guard to Jesus Christ. Paul, would you pray for me as I try and witness to people? What happens is they go in to encourage him and they come away encouraged. I mean, you go to help them and you find someone encouraging you. I go into the hospitals and sometimes I go in and I, I, I was thinking of Joan for some reason this past week and, and I was thinking about how when I went in to see Joan, you know, I was concerned about some things and Joan, in the midst of that, had a prophetic word for me and began to encourage me. It was right on. It was the Holy Spirit. And, you know, she's, she was getting ready to die. She's getting ready to go home to be with the Lord. Here people came in 
And Paul has a prophetic word for him. Paul said, listen, I have the anointing oil here. Uh, Let me just try and straighten these chains out. I'm going to pray over you. Whatever your circumstance, whatever your situation, you may feel like, boy, I'm struggling. I'm going through a hard place. I'm without a job. The bills that just seem to be... Be an encouragement to someone else. Paul didn't let his circumstances confine him. He was a witness and he was an encouragement. And he was going to let other people know that Christ was alive in him. When people come to see you in your circumstances and situations, does it dictate, does it determine your ability to praise the Lord, your ability to glorify God? It didn't for Paul. He advanced through his adversities, through that confinement. Uh, In 2 Corinthians, it says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. Paul's praying. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and hardships, persecution and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know it when you're on your back and you feel like you can't do anything for yourself and you have to simply reach up to God. God most powerfully works. There Paul is in the midst of the hardships. He's advancing through his adversity. It's not stopping him. It's not burying him. It's not a tombstone for him. No, he's going to triumph over it. It's a stepping stone for him. He's advancing through hostility. It's the last point. In Philippians 15 to 17, really something interesting in this passage. It says, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. What Paul is saying was there were some that were envious, jealous of Paul. His influence in Rome, they said, who's this new guy coming from Jerusalem? Everybody's talking about him. Everybody's going to seek him. Oh, the stories that Paul can tell. And so they began to somehow try and undermine him. You know, if Paul were really a servant of the Lord, he wouldn't be suffering like that. If Paul were really walking with God, he wouldn't be in prison like that. Look at us. We're out freely preaching. Paul lacks diplomacy. That's it. Look at Paul's resume. He spends more time in jail than he does in the pulpit. So they're trying to needle it in. They're trying to hurt him. Let me just say this. Paul did not say these were false brethren. Look at the text real carefully. They are preaching Christ. They were preaching the truth. They were preaching the gospel, the good news, the euangelion, the good news of the gospel. And God was doing things through and in them. But notice what? They're preaching out of what? Envy, rivalry, selfish ambition. Why does she get a chance to sing? Why was he chosen to lead that way in the church? Why do so many people attend His Bible study, her Bible study, selfish ambition, envy, rivalry. Paul would have none of that. What he was concerned is, 
the advancement of the gospel. People were coming to know Christ. God was working. You know, you're going to have brothers and sisters in the Lord that are less than perfect. Their motives sometimes less than noble. Uh, they may, preachers may preach in a pulpit and be jealous of another preacher or another teacher or another leader. One church may be jealous of another church's success. It happens within the church, outside the church, and happens among Christian leaders. Like there's this competition of who can be the most well-known or the best-liked or the most powerfully uh, recognized name in Christian circles. And it becomes carnal. Paul said, no, doesn't matter. What matters is this, that God is glorified, that his message is getting out, that lives are changed. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, listen to Paul's response. But that doesn't matter. Whatever their motives are, false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached. Either way, so I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. When your motive is to glorify God, when your motive is to magnify God, when your motive is to see the kingdom of God advance, you don't care who's doing it. All you are concerned about is that God is getting the glory and people are being saved and, and God's doing his will. As a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, what gets you up in the morning and keeps you out of the rut of self-pity when adversity comes your way is the motive to glorify God, to serve God with the life he gave you. Whether it comes through suffering or it comes through some type of splendor, whether he lifts you up or he puts you down, it doesn't matter. What matters is that his name is magnified. We cannot put the pieces of the puzzle together in our life. Unless we have that one central piece there. My motive is to glorify God. If my motive is for money, for fame, for fortune, to have a good life, to have a comfortable life, the pieces of the puzzle never quite come together. We're always dissatisfied. We're always struggling, walking uphill because life is filled with struggles and disappointments and hardships and adversities. And if the motive is for self, I'll never be satisfied. But if the motive is for Christ and Christ alone, then life will render to me the great joy that Jesus promised. He'll give me joy and peace. And like Paul, in a prison cell, I can rejoice. Beloved, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We find it in Christ, not outside of Christ. It's in Christ. This morning, as we close the message, it's all about Him. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Him. And when we get that right, everything else falls into place. Everything else, whether good, bad, it works. It works. 
Commonly called the Book of Joy, Philippians is a powerful book to Christians. This book exhorts us to have joy in the midst of trying times, to be united as Christians by our head, Jesus Christ, and to be people with testimonies in our communities that are known to be honorable. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. This 19-part series will certainly encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Perhaps today's message sparked a thought in your mind, an area in your walk with Jesus where you need to grow. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join us as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of Philippians right here on Voice of Faith.